If you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 23 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Bill Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey everyone, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you so much for your support and especially for your prayers for me and my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall. Well, I recently had the honor to conduct a four-part interview with Dan Enright about how Christians evangelized in the first century, with episode 23 being part one of this eye-opening series. Dan is a professor at the Bible Seminary in Houston, Texas, and is also the community group's pastor at my church. Well, this is an inspirational and educational interview that you surely do not want to miss. If you're blessed by this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave an honest review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. And also, if you have any questions about what's said, please feel free to contact me at my website, reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com, or you can email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. In 2016, I wrote a book called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, and you can find this book on Amazon, and if it's a blessing to you, please leave an honest review there. Also, I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls' Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And you can contact BDK at OmegaFrequency.com, and you can send in questions for that Q&A show there. In addition to BDK and my channels, you can find all of our podcasts with Justin Falls at FourthWatchRadio.com or on the Fourth Watch Radio podcast. Finally, the early Christian quotes I use can be found on a CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, and you can purchase your copy for merely $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. All right, without further ado, let's get episode 23 rolling. All right, well, uh, Dan Enright, welcome to Reclaiming the Faith. It is so good to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Phil. Glad yeah. to be here. Man, it is so good. Uh, so, Dan, you are the um, the community group's pastor at my church. And, mm-hmm. um, man, we've gotten to know each other real well. Love of baseball, music. Dan plays drums also. He was a drummer for a long time and still is. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Man, Dan, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, a um, little bit about like you, your family, and um, maybe how you felt called into ministry. What, what was the point that made you feel called into ministry? Okay, well, uh, starting with family, I've been married to my wife, uh, Jenny, for going on 22 years mm. this, this July. Man, that's um, awesome. 
yeah she's uh she's incredible mm. um and uh as, as far as like ministry um it was probably uh, in a, a previous church a few years back um i was invited to um attend a class that my associate pastor was teaching yeah. at a at a bible college here in houston and i just uh, more out of curiosity, I thought I'd go down and check it out and see what it's all about. Um, but it was really at that moment where I think the Lord really did something through that mm. and and really gave me this passion to pursue ministry. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it started. It, it, it opened up um, kind of a whole new world to me. Uh, being in in that setting in a in a college setting, and more so interacting with with other students and professors who were in ministry as well. Yeah, and so that really was a big catalyst uh, for me. And then from that point on, I I continued to kind of immerse myself in that context at the college. And um, not long after that, uh, we. Uh, created a youth uh, ministry at our church with mm-hmm. high school and college age kids yeah and and that's really where um, kind of that formal ministry started for me in a in a, um, in a church setting was with a high school college group yeah yeah and so it's just kind of been since then and uh, nice yeah and then you eventually went on to seminary and got your master's mm-hmm. and now you're teaching at a Bible college, right? Yes, at a at a seminary. At a seminary, here, nice here yeah. here in Houston, and um, it's um, it's been just a really really great experience. Uh, yeah, being able to teach that for me is is something I I, I really really love. It, it feels like that's. That's what I'm supposed to be when I'm when I'm there teaching uh, in a in a classroom setting. Um, I just feel like that is that's really where 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 God really wants me. And you feel like you're in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's what's like the area that you're teaching? Right now I'm teaching a course called Bible Panorama, and okay. it's uh, kind of a condensed, fast-paced survey style course that goes that covers Genesis to Revelation yeah and what we're looking at um, are major themes in the Bible we're we're presenting the Bible as a a unified cohesive Mm. um, thing rather than something that I think oftentimes gets uh, promoted as as uh, compartmentalized Right. You know, we look at the Bible and we just see so many parts to it. But mm. this class, what it does is it it brings it down and, and, and shows how the Bible is one unified narrative. Yeah. And so we look at, at major themes that run from Genesis to Revelation. We build a biblical chronology. Uh, we, we look at geography, mm. which was really, really important uh, through both Testament periods. And... Um, and really, ultimately, it's it's to help students, uh, like you and I were talking earlier, become more and more in awe of God mm. and and wonder at at what He's really done in history, outside of history, 
and um, and from that grow to to love him in in deeper ways. Yeah. So it's it's a phenomenal course. It's intense, uh, but on on the other side of it, it, it really helps build a, um, a a a really good solid uh, foundation for the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You and you were talking about like how we often are taught to view the Bible in a compartmentalized way. And though, even though there are different writing styles mm-hmm. uh, in the scripture, different purposes for, in one sense of each book, like um, a literary-themed book like the Gospels versus like wisdom literature in Proverbs, they have a little bit different purposes. Right. In one sense, they all have a common unifying theme which yes. is exalting God. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was having a conversation with a, an older gentleman a few churches ago for me. So this is, gosh, maybe back in 2010 or so. Um, and this man, I mean, he's, he's a sold out believer and very much on fire for God, wanting people to come to know Jesus and as a retired guy I mean he's spending Monday through Friday evangelizing like and that's great mm-hmm. that's a great way to spend your time I remember talking with him one time and uh, he only had a copy of the New Testament with him and I was like why do you only have that and he goes well what do you need the Old Testament for hmm. that doesn't have Jesus in it Jesus is in the New Testament, mm. and that's what people need. And in one in one sense, I mean, I do agree, people need Jesus. That's their ultimate need. Mm-hmm. But at the other side, I was like, but Jesus is all over the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And he was having a hard time, like, wrapping his mind around that. But that's kind of why we're here today, having this podcast, is to demonstrate Jesus through the Old Testament, mm-hmm. how all of the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus talks a little bit about that, right, in uh, Luke 24. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. And, and even before that, Phil, the, I guess the question could be asked of first century, how did first century people get Jesus? Mm. And at that point, of course, we the New Testament wasn't written. Yeah. Um, so when we look at the New Testament, any time we see, 99.9% of the time when we see the word scriptures, uh, word of God, that kind of terminology, we immediately have to think the Tanakh, which is in more Western terminology, the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Paul, Peter, all the early apostles, the disciples, they preached Jesus out of the Hebrew Bible, yeah, and um, and Jesus even on his approach to a, to Jerusalem uh, during that final week of his life, he it, it seems to the scripture seems to um, give the impression that they were to have recognized him, mm. they were to have known that he was who he claimed to be, mm. and all that had had developed from. Uh, the the Hebrew Bible, right? Yeah, and when I say Tanakh, it's yeah, uh, Old Testament, know, yeah, the Torah, mm-hmm. Nevi'im, which the, the law prophets writings, mm-hmm. 
and it's kind of condensed to the three Hebrew letters, the, uh, but it stands for Tanakh, Nevi'im, which is prophets, and then Ketuvim, which is the writings. Right. Or the writings. So it, it's kind of cool that, though, they, like, they should have recognized him. They had to have their eyes opened. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they had to have their eyes open to understand mm-hmm. Jesus. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. Luke 24, uh, post-resurrection, we have the account of uh, what's referred to as the road to Emmaus. Mm. And uh, we have a couple of disciples that are traveling from Jerusalem um, post-Passover. Mm. And um, and they're really, really dejected. Mm. And, and we see that they're traveling on the road to Emmaus, which is about six miles west of or so of, of Jerusalem and all of a sudden uh, Jesus um, comes and, and joins them on their on their route and they're basically re- recounting the things that happened in Jerusalem mm. to um, Jesus of Nazareth and and in Luke 24 um, they start out um, or Jesus asks them while they're walking, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still. And, and I, I find it interesting that, that Luke puts that detail in there. They, they came to a halt. They stopped <laughs> right. after Jesus asked that question. Like it stopped them in their tracks for mm. them to recall what had happened in, in Jerusalem. And, uh, and they looked sad. Uh, so they were dejected. Then one of them named Cleopas answered Jesus and said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know <clears throat> the things that have happened there in these days? <clears throat> and this is uh, this is Jesus, I think, with a sense of humor and, and asked them well, what things. Yeah. And, of course, these things are what concerned his, uh, his death, burial, and resurrection. And then again they go on concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed. So they recount all these things that that happened in Jerusalem to Jesus of Nazareth. And they ended saying, um, um, where am I? Oh, it's been the third day. It, now it's the third day since these things have happened. So some time, some time has elapsed. Yeah. Um, and then they talk about the women who went to the tomb. They amazed them. Uh, they went there early in the morning. They did not find his body. They came back saying that he had... Uh, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. So they're they're going on and on and on. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then Jesus, at that break, says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Hmm. He says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him, concerning himself. Mm. So we're looking at Hebrew Bible at that point. Yeah. New Testament isn't even around. Yeah. So Jesus takes them on this, what must have been an unbelievable Bible study yeah. to demonstrate uh, himself in their scriptures. Yeah. So. And that's like the original method of evangelism in one sense, like mm-hmm. for a post-resurrection, you know, uh, paradigm or or period. Jesus 
starts with Genesis and he goes to Malachi basically just like hitting all these ways that the Hebrew Bible that's not the Old Testament is pointing to him and that's how he evangelizes them Mm -hmm. and it's cool because that method doesn't stop with Jesus that's actually the method that the apostles use absolutely right you want to you want to talk a little bit about that sure um in Acts 17, mm. uh, we read about Paul, and it's interesting because Paul is generally referred to as the apostle to the Gentiles, right? right? But over and over and over and over in the book of Acts, mm. we see that it was his custom. Right. When he entered to a, in, into a town, the first thing he would do was he would go to the synagogue. Yeah. And start evangelizing the Jews, mm. and and I think we talked a little bit about how evangelism is most effective when it's done in context, mm. and that was the genius of Paul, mm. uh, obviously um, led by the Holy Spirit. But when whatever setting he was in, he was sure to evangelize them in their context. Right. So if he's entering into a synagogue in the ancient world with a room full of Jews and God-fearers, what they accepted as authoritative in their lives were the scriptures, Mm. the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. So when Paul entered his synagogue, he didn't go in with John 3.16. He didn't go in with Ephesians 2.8.9. Right. He didn't go in saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It says that he went into the synagogue and he reasoned with them from the scriptures, Mm. their scriptures. Yeah, that term reason is so powerful, right? It is, and it's where we get our English word dialogue. Mm-hmm. So Paul went in and he had a conversation with with these Jews and God-fearers in the synagogues and, and basically did what Jesus did for the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He mm-hmm. did for the attenders, attendees of the synagogue. Yeah. And took them through the scriptures, demonstrating that uh, Christ, Jesus Christ, was Israel's Messiah. Yeah. Or is Israel's Messiah. Yeah. So. And that the Messiah had to suffer and die. Yes. And rise. Yes. Which would have been kind of tough for them to accept because in in a sense like what we believe is, what we as Christians believe about the second coming of Christ where he's reigning and like completely putting evil under his feet, you know, eradicating death and disease and um, destruction, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are my three Ds. <laughs> but uh, he's eradicating that stuff. What, what we believe about the second coming, they kind of believed about the first coming mm. of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. That was the only coming, really, in one sense. Um, the Messiah would do that. And so it was really difficult for them to accept Jesus as someone who would die like Paul says the cross is foolishness to Jews right and so it's it's kind of tough like for us though too because we all come to the scripture with certain presuppositions that we believe kind of like old wineskins and I had that that view of the Old Testament for a long time like that that the man I talked to the older older gentleman um, had like this stuff is good and all and maybe I can learn about myself through looking at Israel 
and their failings. I can, you know, it's not just Israel. It's I am Israel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I really wasn't getting much gospel out of it for a long time until it's like Jesus opened my eyes when I read Luke 24. I don't know how many times it was that that last time it was like, oh my goodness, I've totally like misread the Old Testament for hmm. so long. Really? I've been missing the main point of the Old Testament. Like mm-hmm. Jesus is all over the place. It's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's prophetic things or typological things like shadows pointing us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's all over the place. Absolutely. And that totally changed my whole perspective on the Tanakh and renewed this love for me. And particularly as like a historical, I, I love history and so these prophecies that point to Jesus, that's always been an anchor for my soul in one sense. That, that no matter how I feel, no matter if things are scary or what, I, I can always look to the prophecies that were fulfilled, prophecies of the Tanakh that were fulfilled. Be like, well, regardless of how I feel, these are facts. Mm-hmm. And I think that is great, not just only for Jews, if we're witnessing to Jews, but also for atheists or agnostics that are willing to reason, to dialogue, and be intellectually honest, if these things were prophesied thousands, hundreds of years before, and with pinpoint accuracy, mm-hmm. they were fulfilled. Have you ever seen that play out? In what respect? What, what Just in you... dialogues with people. Oh, absolutely, where you can take them to the scriptures yeah. and and say, look at some... Uh, passages where we find in the New Testament that they're directly fulfilled by yeah. Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, I've I've definitely taken some people uh, through through some of those passages. And going back to your comments about the the Old Testament, mm. um, you know, even now it. When, when we read in Hebrews about the the Word of God is alive and powerful, mm. again, when when that was written, <laughs> it's, it's referring back. So even now, even today, yeah, um, the Hebrew Bible, and I'm just going to use the term Hebrew Bible, yeah, Tanakh, yeah. great, um, because to um, to my Jewish friends, the Old Testament is anything but old, right, right, and and I like that because even today. The law, the prophets, and the writings are still meant to lead people to Christ. Yeah. Right? Yep. And like you say, we could we could take an atheist through the Tanakh and look at these passages where they we find literal fulfillments uh, of these of this uh, of these scriptures yeah. uh, in Jesus. And then especially for Jewish people. Uh. They're that these and religious Jews, mm-hmm. um, sure, who who see Hebrew Bible as authoritative, right? It God is still using it to lead people to Messiah. Yeah, and I find that just just fascinating. Yeah, and and we talk about you know how how you kind of your your mind opened up to the the Tanakh um, after. Luke 24, mm. that that passage. But we, we look at uh, the historical psalms that are read even today at um, at Passover. Right. Passover. 
God is telling them over and over, yeah. remember, yep. remember. And, and a lot of it, most of it is centered on the Exodus. But over and over, it's remember, remember what I did, remember what I did. It's the same for us, even like post-salvation, post-New Testament, post-Jesus, so to speak, for us. Um, we can go back into the Tanakh and we can remember what God did in history, through history, um, to to guide it along perfectly according to his plan to bring about, in the fullness of time, uh, his son, uh, the, the Savior, Messiah. So you mentioned it's, it's something that strengthens your faith. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When we go back to that and we see what God has done, mm-hmm. it, he, I think he intends for us to be in awe of him yeah. because of that. Well, I'm really excited about this conversation, and we're going to structure it. Now, we have this we have this intro, basically, and, and then we're going to have three more parts to it. We're going to talk about like how we see Jesus in the Torah, so in the first five books, the Pentateuch. And then we're going to look at the prophets in the second part, or the third part. And then the last part, we're going to look at the writings. It's mostly Psalms. Or maybe we're doing. Are we doing it that way? Or are we doing? Yeah, we're doing law, writings, prophets. Is that how you wanted to go? We could go that way. We could go. Maybe end with some law. Isaiah. We could. We could end with say the servant songs. Okay, let's do it like that. Yeah. So this is going to be really good. Uh, so I really want to encourage you, listener, to um, hang with us through these next three parts because this is going to be awesome. And I really want to challenge you uh, to. Think, can you lead someone to Christ with the Old Testament? So stay tuned, and we're going to pick up channel uh, episode two next time. All right, peace. Thank you.
Marked by you, marked by you, marked by you. 